Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. And between the years 1990 and 2000, I did hundreds of interviews with musicians for the Irish Times in a slot that was originally called the Joe Jackson Interview. When Paddy Woodworth, the newspaper's arts editor, launched its now legendary sound and vision double-page spread. The name above the title idea was his. And I once said to Paddy, why me, Lord? I was joking, though editors do like to be addressed that way. Paddy explained that he chose me primarily because we both believe that the arts should be central to political debate rather than relegated to the sidelines and that as such, popular music, as an outgrowth of popular culture, could and should be explored from a socio-political perspective. And we agreed that space should not be given to musicians whose primary aim was to sell, say, a gig or a CD, though that is too often the norm in newspapers and magazines. They had to have a good and maybe even illuminating story to tell. Either way, that slot, which if only because it was a three-quarter page spread in the Irish Times, became much sought after, and it could help sell out a gig, or so Tony Bennett once told me. And that to me was the added bonus, especially as someone who became an interviewer to meet my music heroes. I now had access to virtually any musician I wanted to interview, including longtime heroes such as Bennett, Ray Charles and Joni Mitchell. And even if all I got was a phone interview, something I usually rejected because it didn't lend itself to in-depth discussion, I was happy to say, you bet. What follows is one of my Irish Times interviews. Enjoy. Well, I got a tape. I got a tape like weeks ago. It's very difficult to, to do sure. an interview about your new album when the person hasn't heard Absolutely. it. They, they, all I can say is describe it. Oh yeah, I've had this set up for weeks. Hey, I've been lucky. I got the whole fucking back catalog. So I ain't coming along as a long time live fan and all that kind of stuff. But I was uh, deeply impressed by what I heard. Oh, so I'm, I'm suffering culture shock, psychology shock and all, taking on 10 year old, 9 year albums in about a month. Oh dear, I see, okay. So you feel sorry for me? You have um, condolences to you me? You must feel very depressed. No, I don't. I didn't find yeah. that at all. <laughs> no, but that was... Uh, How depressing for you. How dark and... What a dark and gloomy... No, yeah, but I'm Irish. I live there anyway, so it doesn't matter. That's our natural habitat, isn't it? Okay, so... Uh, it is actually 10 years since the first album. That's the 10th anniversary? It was the 10th anniversary uh, last year, I believe. Okay, we did so a concert to celebrate, celebrate that. that fact. Okay, so from, from <laughs> Avalanche to Do You Love Me? But isn't that what it is? I mean, is that element running through it? I think that there's a, a, a very, there's a very uh, similar kind of tone running through the whole thing. And, uh, and my, my own... Uh, I think I've sort of been banging away at the, the, the same nail for, for okay. throughout all of those records. You don't mean that though in a dismissive or reductive way. No, I don't. I think I think um, it, it's often seen that way, and people become impatient with my my okay. uh, progress. I can see that with with, with a lot of people, um, but. All I can really say about that is that I have no intention of particularly changing. And that right. if, if, you, if you don't like what you heard on the last record, then don't, don't go and buy this record. Um, I mean, it's, it's different, but that same tone is there. Uh, and that's, and to, to add to that, I don't, I don't really feel that I've, I've felt in my relationship with the world and, and the way I feel towards the world hasn't really changed since I can remember. Right. And, and I have no... Um, yeah. Intention of, of uh, making a, a different sounding record or a different, uh, it's not sounding actually, but a, a record with a different overall vision simply to yeah. keep, keep 
people interested. Well, you're talking in, a, in a, an emotional stroke musical sense here. I mean, the music reflects the emotional uh, uh, exploration. So that's yeah. why there's a, a consistency to me running I mean, through it. I think musically, it's 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 there's a very there's a lot of differences and, from, and the, far, from the first to now. Yeah, I mean, far more than than most groups display, I would say. In what uh, sense? In which well, sense? I think that the, that we've run the musically, we've run the sort of gambit of, from sort of punk music, uh, or, or that throughout our records, not that there's been any particular progression, but through throughout our our records, you can expect to hear anything from easy easy listening music right, through to right. sort of kind of hardcore music yeah, yeah country punk pop, yeah, whatever that kind of range but i mean tying them all together is your own particular vision of these things like when you do long black trail or whatever it's nick cave singing it it's not who johnny rivers or whoever had a hit with it yeah you know what i mean you deconstruct or hey joe i mean it's still nick cave's vision yeah, I think, I think music imposed on that or, or, or brought through that. I think that's that's right to a certain extent. I think um, if you're talking about the cover versions, I think there's we treat them in different ways. Some some are quite faithful, right? Um, you know, something like Weeping and Leah or whatever is is basically a fairly faithful rendition of, of, the, Tom, Mickey of, the, of the Tom Jones. Tom Jones did that, okay? Yeah. All right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean. I mean, we're, we're criticised with that, criticised about that too. Is that you know to, to, to do a, a Nick Cave version of another person song, all you have to do is slow it down a bit, and and uh, and there you've got it type of thing. And I think that's that's kind of a, a little unfair, actually. Is there an influence of people like do it? I mentioned earlier Scott Walker, in in some of those songs. I mean, those parallels have been drawn. I think there was far more with Scott Walker. I mean, I used to listen to his music a lot, like, but I, I don't really. Not now, I'm talking about the earlier stuff. Like, yeah. I, I would even hear something like the singer as being about him or having parallels, certainly, with his life story. No? It wasn't no. him? He wasn't the role model of that? No. Who was? Um, I mean, I think, I think with that, we, we just wanted to do a... Uh, I, I'm trying to remember how that song came about. I think, actually, Blixer, the guitarist, sort of discovered that song. It was in right. Johnny Cash's. But is it the only version is of that it? song? Yeah, so yeah. it was Johnny, Johnny Cash's it. version of that. I didn't that, know. That, that I didn't came know. From. Oh, okay. I didn't know if it was a Cash-based. Who based. did it? Right. Who, who originally did it? Who originally wrote it? I don't know. Right, Who okay. Can, I don't know. No. It's <laughs> one of the worst ones I, I did. Have. I did right. know right. at the time of uh, of making Kicking, Kicking Against the, the Pricks, all those sort of details. Well. Okay. And what, what was the Walker influence then? You know, I mean, it seems to me Walker of Climate of Hunter time. You know? I mean, I love... the whole... Well, I love the... You know the Walker Brothers stuff, and and there was also the the electrician and, the, and yeah, stuff nice like that. Yeah, I like yeah, I yeah, like that a lot yeah, too. Right. But that had that was the same the same chord there is of romantic romanticism. Yeah. And I've seen that always said of his work. But and I, maybe so this criticism the people of Leonard the Duke could equally said of Scott Walker, like the tone running through all the work he did, whether it's the kind of quasi disco night flights or the early stuff with the Walkers is the is, is yeah. But I mean at the consistent. same time you, you take you. you, you they can you can say anything about Scott Walker, but once you once you hear, uh, you know the sun ain't gonna shine anymore. You just have to shut up, really. You know, well, because um, it's so good, or because, because it's, it's so good, so powerful, yeah, so powerful. So, and that uh, what's that other great? I've got such a terrible memory about this sort of thing. Anyway, um, I know the great song of the Walker Brothers. 
Yeah, the, the other si the, the, the single. Um, Make it easy on yourself. Yeah, I mean that. You yeah. just have to yeah. sit back and shut up. Really. Sure you do. Well, I would, and something like Avalanche by Cone, these are all exploring similar emotional and psychological musical territories, aren't they? There's, there's an absolute link between a lot of this stuff. Don't you I mean, think or don't you? You know, think? I think and it, basically it's just we did it because we liked it. And um, it, at the time of doing that, that particular song, it, it, was, it was quite a... Um, a daring thing to do and perhaps a slightly stupid thing to do to think that we could actually take a masterpiece like this as a, as a young sort of whatever, whatever, you know, young kind of whatever sort of band we were and try and do, do justice right, to it right. um, but I think we did a, a slightly kind of comical and slightly irreverent version of it and Leonard Cohen liked it immensely from what I hear and, uh, and I think we got away with it I, I, uh, I wouldn't try and do something like that again. Did, was that the one that was then included on the tribute album, which kickstarted his career back into motion? Uh, no, we did. We you did, did a, another one. Tower we, of Song now. Well, we were asked. Yeah, we did. We were asked to do um, uh, a song for that record, which we bluntly refused to do because we thought that the the whole idea was such a, right. a, a terrible idea. Okay. Of, particularly at that time of his career, I could just. I mean. I could just imagine what it was going to be like, and, and basically it was like, I imagine it was going to be like a whole lot of people sort of paying homage to the great Leonard Cohen and, right. and, and being even more sort of... Over-reverent. Over, yeah, yeah, over-reverent. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and the record yeah. was like that. I don't know if you heard our version, but we... we which, which song did you do on that? We did, which we did one? Tower, was Tower of song. song. I did indeed, yeah, I did, yeah. We did a... Yeah. We were basically... We, we were asked to do it, we said no, then we went to the pub, and uh, came back from the pub completely pissed, and uh, and, di and did a version of this song uh, th that I think went for about 80 minutes or something like that. And we recorded the whole thing on that, and then we just sort of uh, and we, we went through every possible style of music we we could think of, right. uh, from the Manchester sound to to you know jo Johnny Cash rip off to you know punk rock. We'd someone right. yell out punk rock, and then we'd sort of play this <laughs> verse of it in punk rock, and then someone would yell out Tammy Wynette or something like that. <laughs> and then we just edited it all down to a to a six right, minute version right, and, right. and handed it over to the, to okay. the French people who I think it was French. Yes, it was. Who, yeah, who yeah. Were, so they got two versions of that song, didn't they? Are the two of that? Um, is that the one track that's done twice on the album? Yeah, well, someone else does it. Yeah, yeah. Again. But at the same time, Cohen apparently likes that album, even if the energy of it kind of and the fact that these people apparently said. Well, he would like it, wouldn't he? Yeah, because you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, but that. But, that, but he did. He, he. I was happy to. I mean, we didn't really expect them to use that song. We just oh, sort right. of sent it off. Saying, well, here's here's our version. If you if you want to use it, use right. it. And they wrote, wrote back saying we want the whole eighty minute version type of thing, which we of course didn't send. But um, uh, Leonard Cohen did pick that track out as his favourite right, favourite right, one. So right. which which I, I I thought was rather good because it was it was a very it was a very irreverent yeah yeah uh, version of that song and you know. Um, no, the the, but the Hank Williams you. lines we turned around to Lenny Cohen lines and all, right, have, right. all that sort of stuff. I mean, we were drunk. At the yeah, but it's also, I mean, it's important to bring out the humour because I think there's a humour there in your work too, which people tend to miss when they go on endlessly about the darkness. Well, I we did. Irish people like that kind of twist. We are very uh, irreverent. Yeah, irreverent, dark, kind of Beckett-like humour. Well, I always had the had you know people used to. I mean, remember as a as a kid when we used to sit around and listen to Love and Hate. Hey, you know, people people would um, say turn this record off. It's too depressing. And I always yeah. found that even even I don't know, I was twelve or something like that. As an as a 
an extraordinary thing for someone to sure. say. Sure. That you could, you know, turn it off, it's making me too depressed type of thing. And I always remember that. And, I, and, and this is something that's always been focused at me that you know, same, my, my, mu same. my music's too dark and too depressing, which I find ludicrous. Sure, uh, sure, sure. Yeah, do you do you have another problem with that element of uh, the the deification of pop rock stars, as in Lenny? There, you know, paying too much homage, and you get the same treatment from a lot of people, don't you? About my music. Yeah, you know, you're a pretty hero. I mean, I read an interview in Hot Press, and it was like, God, glowing guy. Obviously, loved your work, but there was an element of that kind of Nick the God. I mean, there is, you know. I just I I, I think that I'm the best of a bad bunch, really, and that this. <laughs> There's not really, you know, I mean, who else are you going to set up? You have to set someone up to be like that. Who else Who else can you do it to, really? But does it not give you a sense of, uh, i got to live up to this? I don't no, it's, this it's just sort of irritating, and it's stupid. Because um, we, we all need heroes, that kind of stuff. Well... Well, you obviously have them too, though. I mean, I, 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 I never look at... Uh, you know, I look at someone like Bob Dylan or someone like Leonard Cohen as being remarkable musicians and, and people that I admire immensely and particularly the, the fact that they've continued for so long and doing things that, although this is debatable with, with perhaps Bob Dylan, with some people, but who right. I certainly consider to be doing really worthy things. His last record, I think, is amazing. And I, and I love This that. is his Back to Basics folk cover. Yeah, whatever, you know, whatever yeah. it is. He, to me, he continues to make um, extraordinary music and I find that... that uh, that alone. But, well, I find that that to be very comforting, and and, uh, and I'm very envious of that, and, and, and I hope, and and uh, yeah, I'm very, I find that very comforting. But these people don't then become role models in the broadest sense, do they? Well, actually, what I was trying to say with that okay. was was that they're, they're not gods to me. Right. You know, I don't look at them as being gods. I just see them as being immensely talented people who happen to be you know, working in rock music type thing. Um, and this whole thing of Nick Cave the God is just yeah. is just a joke, you know. Sure. And, and I think anyone yeah. with half a brain has to realise that it's just a joke. And I don't I don't really think that anyone takes that seriously. What about Elvis? Now he's a god. <laughs> I knew I could puncture that one. <laughs> that's that proceeding. How did you feel? Having said all that, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, no, but come on, because I did read uh, Marcus's comment about uh, firstborn. You saw that in his Dead Elvis book? Uh, sorry? Did you, you read his analysis of your album, Firstborn, in Graham Marcus's yeah. book, Dead Elvis? No. Did you not read that? Or is that the thing about Tupelo? Yes. Yeah, I have read that. But about, not just about the song, about the album. Like he says that, uh, well, I thought maybe he thinks Long Train Suffering is like the answer to Mystery Train. You know, he'd hear Mystery Train anywhere. Are there elements of that there? Do I detect rhythms of? No? Of elements of what? Mystery sorry. Train. In your song, uh, of of uh, what's it called again? That song, of your song. Yeah, my song. <laughs> train long suffering. Train long suffering. Um, no, no, I don't. I don't think okay. so. I mean, I think I think that that's uh, you know the influences there. Uh, sort of, Sublimely, as it. Well, I, I think that it's a broader kind of influence of sort of a gospel type of rollicking rhythm, rhythm and blues okay. kind of gospel. Okay. Well, what he says about that the whole album. Call and answer type of song, you know. But I don't. I don't. Uh, which which is what shaped Presley. I mean, that's obviously was stronger to Elvis than rhythm and blues bass. 
Yeah. I think anyway. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, well, been, I've interviewed yeah. Sam Phillips about this. I've been in Memphis, done all that shit, you know, to get to the bottom of Elvis. But he says that the uh, his the album is a deep south concept album that begins with the mystical version of Elvis and Jesse Garan's birth and ends with the elegy to Blind Lemon Jefferson. Well, it, it, it conceptually devised. I think it, I think that that it was it's easier for for someone like that to stand back and and right. and look at something like that and you know it's there in front of them and they can draw draw any sort of parallels to it. But for me, it was. Um, the way the way it happened for me was that I, I became, uh, I mean, I'd always been a blues fan, but I, I became very much uh, engrossed as a young person in the whole myth of the whole thing. I was Australian and and the myth and I, of which the South, the myth of the, the South and blues music and and certain films and Southern Gothic literature and all this sort of stuff. All at like, the same like, time, like I who, became, Faulkner, all that stuff. Yeah, that whole Faulkner, area of novels. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why? What did that echo of Australia on your own biographical, geographical base? I just, I just, um, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, I came from, came to that from different areas, uh, through the writing, through Faulkner, particularly right. when I was young, and this sort of, this sort of developed and, and grew into other areas. Uh, I saw certain films that had a big influence on me, like, like uh, Houston's Wise Blood from the right. Connor yeah, novel. I, yeah. I love this film. Yeah. Um, the uh, fuck the uh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I, I, I have a uh, bad memory for names. I'm afraid. Oh, another uh, movie it was. Yeah, another the the um, love hate one. Uh, the night uh, night of the hunter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Rotten, Rotten, things yeah. like that. Who directed um, that? Oh, Charles Lawton. Charles Lawton's yeah. first first and only film. I mean, there were a lot of a lot of. Uh, Secondary, I got this from a lot of secondary uh, places. Where, whereas Elvis obviously got it at first hand. It came to me yeah. as you yeah. know, and I and I don't ever, I never ever went into it feeling that I had the same authority to be writing about this sort of stuff than Elvis did, of okay. course. Okay. And I accept that. Right. But um, I mean, I just became uh, obsessed and infatuated with this particular mythology. Uh, mythology. And and I thought that that at the same time um, there, it was a written by. Uh, an Australian, uh, kind of middle-class Australian, white Australian, and in the end, and particularly with the novel that I wrote, I, I sort of invented this uh, sort of bastardised sort of uh, ver uh, version of the South, which was completely uninformed, actually, um, but but my own private South, you know, where I could set right. my characters right. in and stuff right. like that. Right. So, so um, I, I became very very sort of obsessed with that. And, and I've seen the South defined in those terms for anybody from play like say Tennessee Williams that the real South is just a construct that doesn't exist. That the South is a state of kind of psychology being. You know what I mean? That even the people who live there see it in mythical terms. And if you've been to Memphis, that's how they view it. Even the name, the whole thing. Bono said the same thing to me about when he first went there. You don't see Memphis, you have just there's so many mythical resonances. Yeah. Well, that your perception is along those lines anyway, but from Dublin, Australia, it doesn't matter. Well, or like Mystery Train yeah. the movie. You know, I mean, isn't that that's the reading of the set of Memphis? In the well, South. I guess so. You know, I mean, Bono's been in Memphis. I haven't even been there. Type of thing, you're not so. been there. You're not been there. <laughs> Jesus Christ! They assumed you had been. Maybe you shouldn't go there. No, no, maybe. I, right. Maybe we should. So uh, the album, but but was it set out with as, as a cycle of songs to explore that myth of the South? It, it was from first to last. Yeah, from I guess of, to the of, of all the of all the records we made, we I did did go in there saying I want to make a kind of uh, a, a, I want to make a. a I didn't go in there saying I wanted to make a blues record, right. but I wanted to go in and make a record uh, that was that had a lot of references to that sort of thing, you know. And 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 that was basically as as um, 
as much of a concept as there as there was really. And the song itself, Tupelo, which kind of Marcus says depicts the birth of Elvis and as Jesus. I mean, it doesn't sound like Jesus being born. It sounds more like the other side being born. You know, um, the dualistic. It sounds more dualistic. You know, I just took a lot of those, the lot of the myths and threw them into the one one song. You know, uh, fr from from. Uh, borrowing heavily from John Lee Hooker's Tupelo, from the sure. Great Flood yeah. of Tupelo, yeah. uh, um, to you know the birth of Elvis, you know in Tupelo. But a parallel between the birth of Elvis and Jesus, obviously, I mean, there are those well, I mean, I echoes. Think that, whether you want to, you know, I think whether it's for people like Marcus to stand back and say, "This is what I hear there," or you meant. Well, I think, um, you know, a lot of that stuff was intentional. Um, but you know how much of it was intentional. I'm not, you know, I, I can't really why recall. Would you be, yeah, why would you be shy of drawing that parallel? Does it seem a little overblown now? Well, it would, it would do, yeah. Okay. Um, I am. I have to say, I'm. You know, I, I, I. At the time of doing that, uh, you know, I was much younger, and and. Now, now I look back on on that record, and I sort of squirm slightly, yeah. slightly to feel that 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 I had the gall to actually try and. Take to that try on. and do that, and uh, and a lot of I think a lot of people pointed that out at the time of making the record, which I, I didn't really understand why why you know black people, for example, had oh, the okay. rights over over blues music simply because they they suffered for so long and all that sort of stuff. These days now I feel feel slightly I, f I find out you know that that's true that that argument is true. I don't find that it. it's true, but I do. I do f feel a sort of gnawing in the in my conscience there a little bit well, about that. Yeah, but if Elvis, Johnny Cash, Jerry Lee Lewis, and all those people believe that, we wouldn't have rock and roll. No, but I mean, you know they, I mean? They, they still they, they were there type of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, Blind Lemon Jefferson, for example, was 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 uh, that grew out of something else, a, a kind of extracurricular project that I was working on at the time, which was writing these. Uh, short stories, fact fiction stories about people that I admired or, or simply uh, people who represented uh, or were parts of myths that, that obsessed me or interested me. And so I, I picked up uh, I picked up on Blind, Blind, Blind Lemon Jefferson, uh, read a, a very short piece about his life, um, took out some key facts and wrote a short story about it, but it was completely Fictional, okay. uh, but but with with certain key facts right. through his life. Right. Right. I think uh, there, there were certain characters, certain other blues musicians that, that were uh, existed at the same time who feature in the story and stuff like that. Um, and wrote and wrote this piece uh, like a short story about that, which I then condensed into a right. into a song, right. and, and right. you get this sort of strange song out of it. Um, you know. I mean, there was a lot of that sort of thing sure. going on. Does, does any of that uh, hook into his suggestion that you were into the kind of hoodoo conjure that hangs around the South? No, the no, of, no. The, the black arts and exploring that as part of the blues tradition? Um, uh, Robert Johnson? Well, I mean, I liked, you know, I was a big fan of Robert Johnson's. But, but, but what know, does that mean about, going that far? That's about as far as it, it went. Really? Yeah. Were you ever tempted? Not really, no. I mean, I, you know, I, I was, as I said, I was approaching this as a, as a, you know, from a completely different point of view, really. I mean, I was—I was—I was simply not acquainted with the South when I was writing right. that sort of thing. You know, I wrote an entire novel uh, that's, well, like I say, it's set in my own my own 
private sort of mythological south, right. which uh, so um, which is completely bogus in, in in that all the sort of fauna and flora and all the all the animals and all that. I had no idea whether they existed there or not, but I just sort of went ahead and, and, and wrote this this novel about it, which is quite great in that respect, and that it is it is completely uninformed. Um, you know, it's it's talking about one of the prime elements in it is is the sugarcane growing industry, which I had read. My mother sent me a, a two-page pamphlet on, and that, that's basically my research into into how to grow sugarcane and everything. But this the sugarcane motif comes up time and time again. There's the harvesting of it and the burning of it off and all this sort of stuff, right. which was basically invented. Um, and in in one, what I'm trying to say is that I that I approach that novel with an arrogance about the whole thing right. that I really enjoyed at the time and, and th that I actually didn't know anything. I did right. deliberately never went there. Uh, and and I, I also did that with the songwriting to a certain degree. So and this of, irritated me. None, none of them explored the, the, involved the exploration of uh, Satanism or darker forces of life? No. So I even saw that reference in the NMA article about you doing exorcisms or something. What was that, a joke? That, well, that was... Uh, Do you have, because like, he says, Marcus says that it's said of Nick Cave that he has explored the kind of who who do no, con no, conjure, no, you know, no. and you could hear that in your music. I mean, I've talked to Rory Gallagher about this, where he felt he didn't even need to go to explore it consciously, but through listening to Robert Johnson year after year after year, he felt something tug at him inside. Well, I think you know that, I, mean? I think that that's fair enough. So, but I certainly didn't research this in, right, you know, in right. any way. Was any of it a consequence of uh, drug use? Do you, call for, do you call for those kind of things? Um, I think. You want to go up there? Yeah, we've got this. Yeah. Yeah. Can those forces be called forth by by drugs? The forces of evil. The forces of darkness. Yeah, that that somewhat here uh, operating within your songs. Um, <clears throat> I think what what. Uh, um, I think that certain drugs definitely can. Uh, Turn you obsessive, and uh, I, I know that 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 uh, definitely happened with me. I mean, I took an enormous amount of amphetamine for many years. Right. It's consequently why I can't remember film names okay. and stuff like okay, that. So yeah. you have to bear with me. All right. Me. Okay. <laughs> um, and it it uh, it it um, yeah. I mean, it, it's it knocks away these these uh, barriers of restraint in in that 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 are constantly around you where um and and allows you to take ideas and and take obsessions with things to to um to to, to take the hand of these things and go very sort of deeply and right. i guess very darkly with them and 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 consequently very much on your on your own in this yeah. sort of world yeah. um i think that if taking a heavy drug taking uh People can't tolerate you when you're when you're when you're taking when you're heavily into drugs, and consequently you spend a lot of time on your own. So therefore, All right. therefore, uh, you do become involved in things, and I certainly did become involved in things that uh, I guess are destructive, but they're also um, um, well that, that are, I guess would would be considered. Uh, you know, not particularly positive. 
sorts of things. But did they help produce the songs, the sound of the songs, you know? I mean, yeah, the, I think, those I think landscapes, I, the musical landscapes I hear are all over the albums, or any specific album where... I mean, which, I, can't, I can't tell which, what, what, okay. uh, what, song. what drugs did, did to it, and what oh, the, yeah. if, I didn't, if I had never taken drugs, what the songs would have been like. Um, but I, I think that, um, you know, I think they would have been, they would have helped. Well, all they do is call for something that's in you anyway. But it, was well, there any particular recording? Is there any, would you have been in that condition recording a song, an album? Yeah. That I hear that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, th I, th I think I was, uh, you know, I was using, heavily using drugs for, you know, most of the records right. up until Tender Prey, I think. Okay. Speed? Speed a lot, heroin a lot. Right, right. Uh, well, it's basically speed and heroin. I mean, I, I never smoked grass. Okay. Like I never inhaled. <laughs> I never inhaled. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, so uh, the nature of the music has obviously not been shaped, but influenced by. I mean, you can't say shaped or created from. I, don't, uh, I, I can't. Uh, you, know, you can't break it down like that. I don't think you can, no. Okay. I, um, it, it was all... Um, Why'd you stop them? Love, marriage? Being a father. <laughs> I mean, I, I stopped. I, I, I stopped. I went into a clinic, a drug clinic, right. and uh, I'd been busted uh, right. three or four times in a row in the one year in London, and it was basically that. It was, uh, it was a choice between that and going to prison for a while, and it was a difficult choice to make actually. Um, but I ended up going to the drug clinic and. Uh, and not not really having really any intention to stop taking drugs, but going there simply because, you know, I had to say, Your Honour, I'm going to a drug clinic for the next right. seven weeks, and he says, Well, right. I'm glad to hear it. You know, case dismissed. Um, but, you know, I, I was just forced to stop taking drugs for seven weeks, and by the end of it, I, I, you know, I came out and decided that I, I would continue to stop. All right. Okay. Um, these days. It's about four years ago these days I have a more a less uh, cut and dry approach to drug taking as I did uh, straight after that I mean I still take drugs I still right. drink okay but I'm by no means a, um, you know I'm, not, I'm by no means a junkie or, right. or a right. amphetamine right. addict or anything like that if, if, if Elvis is any kind of hero why weren't you put off the path of potential self-destruction by watching how he went down well, I, I always uh, admired him in a way, and, and I think on the one hand he went down, but at the same time uh, I always found, uh, I always enjoyed immensely his later stuff. Do you? In fact, uh, I mean, there were, you know, the Memphis years and stuff like yeah. that, are, are, to me, the, his, his most interesting. Memphis as in Me Memphis 69's Well, Saturday. yeah, like... Uh, Suspicious Minds in the Ghetto. Minds and all that sort of stuff. And that, that, that stuff was, to me, always... Um, his most remarkable and the stuff that I that I you know of his that I listened to even up to the latter year how about the you see I recently had to listen to his probably last album I know his material very well uh, Solitaire and Danny Boy and they were all demented kind of well, like Solitaire's Elvis fat in his well. heart Solitaire there's, there's something quite beautiful about that Neil Sedaka detests it because he says that Presley deconstructs the melody fucks up the melody but I think Elvis is singing from somewhere that maybe you or I maybe you reached more than I did but I mean, that was like a year before he died and he was too fat to come out of the house. The studio was brought into him. So, I mean, Lord knows what state he was in. But I hear that in the song. Yeah. And, and I hear and echoes. I hear him, you more closely connected with Elvis in those years 
understand well, it. Well, I'm, I'm much more, uh, I was much more influenced. Uh, I mean, I was much more interested in his music from those years, not simply right. because he was fat or because he was taking a lot, a, a lot of drugs or anything. It really had, they were, they were things that... Were incidental. Were incidental. Right, right. Um, I found, I just enjoyed that kind of music much more. But <coughs> um, you know all that stuff, like the, the Last Farewells and the Danny Boys and the, yeah. the, the, the heavyweight ballads, which he seemed to sing his heart out through in the end? Yeah, I mean, uh, what, yeah, I do. What, what really, uh, really impressed me was, uh, I mean, I, I love this film that was made about him, Mrs. Elvis. Okay. Um, I mean, I think yeah. the, the, early, the, the early stuff of his life, you know, and this actor acting and stuff's pretty appalling, but these, uh, the final 20 minutes of that film right. had an en enormous uh, impact on me. Right. This is right I watched this so many times. This is where he, the famous Albert Goldman slagging scene where he goes soaring off on Are You Lonesome Tonight? Yeah, this, this, he, he, he fucks this up and, yeah. and that, I mean, that, that to me is a riveting piece of cinema. Sure and, and I know, yeah. I know he's, I know he's fucked up and I, and I, and I know he's doing a bad job, but, but he's uh, pre presenting himself as a man in extreme pain and extreme, right. uh, going right. through extreme torment, yet still, still uh, being there and still doing it, something that, that he really didn't need to do, sure, I don't think, sure. uh, and, and continuing to do it. And, and I, f I found that really, uh, I found this, I mean, I also found that when he sang My Way After It yeah, was, was, was beautiful. Yeah. And then, then he sang uh, the American Trilogy. This is heartbreaking. Sure, his sure. version of American American Trilogy there was is just heartbreaking. And well, that would tap into the South. I mean, that's like his faith yeah. in the South restored or America or whatever you viewed it as. But I also think there's a moment just before he talks. He does "Are You Lonesome Tonight," which I think is the moment he. It's I've never seen an entertainer strip so bare, where he introduces the song. And he says, "This song is called Are You Lonesome Tonight." And he says, "I am, I was." Yeah. He suddenly goes, yeah, yeah, fucking sort of hell. Around well, yeah, but he said, I am, I was. It's as if he's talking to his inner god or demons. And then he does the song. And it doesn't matter where he goes yeah, with the song. He's, he's, he's just... not, and, and Presley's not someone to, uh, to, to say something like that on stage. He's usually kind no, of hams it no, up absolutely. and he jokes. Yeah, and, you yeah, know. yeah, no, that was a real moment of revelation for, yeah. from him. And then there's this long, there's this one long shot that starts along a long way away and just slowly pans yeah, in on his yeah, face just yeah, really slowly it's yeah, just yeah. as if they knew what was going to happen in this song it's just perfect well he'd apparently said to somebody while they were filming I may, look, may not look good on camera but I look good in a coffin well this is one of those lines why did you do in the ghetto just rap about Elvis what, what was the relevance of, well, I think, of that um, it's just a song that I always always loved and it's late period Elvis and uh, I wanted to do an Elvis Presley song and um and I wanted to do a late period Elvis Presley, you know, right, later right, period right, Elvis Presley right. song. So, so, you know, we... What about that, the suggestion is, I mean, uh, that Elvis was torn apart by the dualities of life, of his nature, like wanting to be maybe a, a gospel singer, a God-loving, God-fearing, and then becoming darker. And, I mean, Bono's suggestion is that Elvis at the end felt that he had sold his soul for a lot of petty things and collapsed in on himself. I mean, do you think he was driven by those kind of tensions between, especially in context of the South and religion. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's this sort of Jerry Lee Lewis sort of Same kind of too, tension, yeah. Um, you know, I think that's, and, and those forces must have been extremely powerful. Hi, Joe Jackson here again. And if you want to read the article that came out of that chat you just heard, check my website, joejacksoninterviewer.com. 
Also, if you'd like to be notified of shows that focus on hundreds more interviews like the one you just heard, why not subscribe to the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast? Either way, thank you for listening.